0: Welcome back to another episode of Useless Degrees. I'm your host, Anthony Rastigue and now that we're friends, you may call me Tony. Today, my guest is Brandon Chittister. Brandon earned a degree in sales and business marketing from Western Michigan University, and he now works as an associate producer at Gallagher, helping real estate owners, investors, and developers navigate insurance for large real estate portfolios. He has numerous tips and tricks on saving money after college that we will gladly share today. Now let's get started. All right. Welcome to the show today, Brandon. How are you doing today? Tony, I'm fantastic. Pleasure being here. Yeah, great having you on. And so uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, The past several years of your college and your work life have focused around sales that I've noticed. So I'm curious, what is it about sales that keeps you so passionate?
1: Yeah, I think, look, sales isn't for everyone, right? But I think sales fits my personality. Uh, One of the biggest things that I like about sales is the ability to really decide what your income's gonna be, right? So most jobs, you're gonna have your salary and after a few years, you might have a marginal increase. But in sales, in most positions anyhow, you, you really get out what you put in. And someone who's entrepreneurial, has work ethic, uh, they tend to succeed and, and oftentimes pull down a pretty sizable uh, annual income. And I think those are some of the reasons as well as just being, um, I don't to say high strung, but having a lot of energy and um enjoying people. I think all those things tied together with my personality kind of help me gravitate towards sales.
0: Yeah, it definitely seems like it requires that kind of hunter-gatherer type of oh, yeah. mindset where quite literally, like like you said earlier, your income is gonna be entirely dependent on the work that you put out there too. And I mean I've heard from various salespeople that often love to say, I would just get so sick of getting the same paycheck, the same amount sure. of money every two weeks. Sure. That is just not something that's on their mind. So they feel that the commission-based compensation method is what really keeps them driven.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's not easy, but uh, quite literally, it's possible for someone in their first year of sales to pull down you know one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I mean, you make you have the ability to make, like I say, doctor money, right? There's jobs out there that pay a couple hundreds of thousands of dollars in in commissions, you have the ability to make doctor money
0: on a four year degree, or in some cases, you know, no college degree or experience at all. And so on the topic of college degree, what was it about sales that kind of like, were you always interested in sales going into college or like what led you to entering that? It's a great question. I have to say, it's
1: almost like uh, the program at Western Michigan, you know, found me in a way I did not grow up in a business family. Um, I wasn't even pushed. Towards, you know, I look at myself now and look at the businesses and the real estate and the things that I'm involved in. And it's a no-brainer. You know, this is really where I belong. But as a, as a kid and as, you know, a, a young, young adult through high school, no one was saying, Oh, you'd be great for business. No one pushed me in that direction. I really stumbled upon it at Western. And I remember a student coming into one of our classes and talking about this organization and you can get involved with internships. And I really liked his energy and his passion and that he was going out there and getting after it. And once I, you know, followed him around a few other folks, I found out that they were all sales students. And then it wasn't until that point that I figured out what sales was and, you know, they were all saying, oh, your energy, you know, your ability to speak, all these things, you're great for sales. And then like slowly but surely I took the steps in that program and, and, and declared my major in sales. So I really, it found me in
0: a sense. Yeah. So it was like the association with actual salespeople that kind of onboarded you into that yeah, area.
1: Yeah, yeah more,
0: uh, What do they call it? Student organizations, I suppose. Yeah. That kind of got me introduced to the major itself. And, and no doubt about it. It was a great fit. Were you undecided when you first got to school or did you kind of try yeah, out yeah, a couple absolutely. different things? No, I had nothing. I went in there. I mean, I was in the business college taking general
1: classes, but I mean, I had no idea. I, I have to tell you, like, I, the only thing I thought I wanted to do is own a business and I'm like, well, maybe I can learn a few things while I'm here. And I will tell you, there is nothing better to learn if you want to own a business than sales, because you have to use sales literally in all facets of owning a business. You're selling your employees on showing up and working hard every day. You're selling uh, other individuals to
0: partner with you. You're, you're really using sales in all facets. So it, uh, the stars kind of aligned for me. It just worked out. And plus, sales essentially make the business. They keep it up and running. So, I mean, you really can't have a business without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it pays the bills. Exactly. And so, what do you think it takes to be a successful salesperson since you mentioned earlier that it's definitely not for everybody? Yeah, that's a great question. Like I said, you have to have the work ethic. you have to be hungry,
1: you have to be motivated, you have to have thick skin. I mean, quite literally, I mean, you you're out there taking punches every day, and you know some some sales roles are different than others, but I, I think at the end of the day, it really comes to, you know you can get beat up. And you can either stay down or you get right back up and get after it. And I think the folks who get beat up and then they quit, sales probably isn't going to be for you. But somebody who can literally just keep getting up, shaking the dust off, keep moving forward, and sales is a phenomenal track for you.
0: Yeah, and it, and, it, and it's definitely not something that you should force yourself to get into. Like if you focus your learning on sales specifically because of the money, And, you know, that's like the only thing really driving you, like you got to let sales overall kind of enrapture you and you got to really become, you know, the ultimate salesperson too. And my next question is like, when it comes to, I mean, you could sell anything really. So when it comes to real estate and insurance, which is the business that you're currently in, what was it about that field that drew your attention? Whereas Mm -hmm. you could end up selling whatever, anything else. Why is it real estate and insurance?
1: Yeah, that's another really great question, and I recall a point in college when I knew, okay, it is sales that I want to do, but what is it that I want to sell, right, and all my friends are taking jobs post-college selling IT software, um, you know, selling some, you know, working for large corporations, and for me, the real estate kind of clicked in my study of business, success, finance, all these things, I noticed that there's this very wealthy class of individuals that tend to all have one thing in common and what I found was, was real estate and I really am passionate about the business of real estate in college I could get my real estate license, I still use it quite actively today, selling a handful of homes, uh, each year, the insurance side of things I knew that I wanted to get into large, um, larger real estate such as apartments. and this uh, career that I have now in the insurance world allows me to work every day with very, very large real estate owners that you know, are, are sitting on maybe a half a million dollars worth of real estate. So it gets me a seat at the table to work with those individuals and surround myself with those individuals every day, because that's the type of person I want to become. So that's what helped me get, that's what helped me get me down this route. And, and that's why I'm here today.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating how they go hand-in-hand hand with each other, too, and that ends up working in your successes, too. And so you also made an appearance on the House Hacking Success podcast, and I was listening to it, and you had this really fascinating story on how you set yourself up by saving enough money for your, your own house hack, and yes. essentially you wanted to live contently. So why don't we dive deep into that story specifically?
1: Yeah. So I would say, you know, for those that aren't familiar, what a house hack is, you know, it's purchasing most times a single family home and renting out one or two of the rooms and that rental income you bring in helps offset, you know, the mortgage payment, all the bills of the house. So effectively, although it's a little expensive upfront to make the down payment, once you've bought the home months moving forward, You might have your mortgage payment, but the rent from the other rooms, they're all paying all the bills. So the biggest thing um, for me on you know saving up post-college, it's great when you get those first couple paychecks, but I think the biggest thing leaving college, a lot of folks want to get the fancy new apartment, right? Because they just lived in a crappy little college town for so long. Now they want to get like the two bedroom flat in Chicago. And oftentimes that takes up such a large portion of your paycheck itself the The three largest things that are going to take up majority of your paycheck every month is going to be your living, it's going to be your transportation, right? How many people have we seen right out of college that go and get a cheap Wrangler? And how much of you know you look at your paycheck each month and you look at what a payment on a Jeep Wrangler is? And then, then the last one is you know food. So for myself, I went and got a nothing special, nothing fancy rental with a few friends in Grand Rapids when I moved out here post college, and there's nothing glorious about it, but it allowed me to increase my savings rate. And as well as just kind of living modest, you know, I'm not I'm not buying a bunch of like fancy clothes and all these other things. And that allowed me to save it, you know, about 20 to $25,000 in the span of about 12 months. So what I did from that point was take that, those, you know, financial savings, I purchased a home, I have two individuals that live with me now, help me pay for the bills here and then, you know, and then some, and now, Says I don't have that living expense anymore. I mean, my savings rate is significantly increased because before when I was paying five, six hundred bucks a month, I don't have that bill anymore. Now it just goes right to my savings account or investment accounts.
0: And so, saving money is clearly, like you mentioned, very important for the post grad demographics specifically. And that becomes a challenge when they're facing not just rent payments, but also the student loan crisis, which is in full swing right now. And along with the expensive living costs, like you said, going to a trendy city immediately after college. So, what's your advice for those recent college grads that might that might find themselves within that struggle?
1: Yeah, it, it, when you give advice, it's important to know what someone's goals are, right? So, if someone's goals is just to you know keep up with the Joneses and be fancy and you know live this lavish lifestyle, my advice probably isn't going to be for them, right? So, um, for me, what are my goals? My goals are to and if anyone's read the book uh, rich dad poor dad and it talks about how two different classes of individuals spend money you can spend money on things that uh like clothes right clothes is an expense but you'll never seek a return from that or you can spend money on things like stocks stock and a a, a real estate investment those will pay you long term like this house that i'm in i purchased for $180,000. right now one year later I could sell it for about $210,000. Now that, I'm fortunate because the market in Grand Rapids has done some awesome things, but I've spent money on things that I know will make me more money. So in terms of my goals, you know, what am I doing uh, to, to get to that point? It's, it's, it's saving as much as possible, literally looking at my personal expenses and my paycheck like a business. I'm making money from my employer and a couple other avenues that I have lined up. And I'm looking at all my expenses, making sure that I'm keeping that top line as large as possible. So I'm running my personal finances just like a business. And at the end of the day, hell, I want to have a couple houses. You know, I want to have apartment buildings that bring me in money that's larger than the salary of my job. So that's you know my advice anyhow to someone who's looking for the same things as me. For other folks who might be still at home looking to save up, get your own home. I, I think a home is a great investment. Um, I think really auditing and Taking a close eye on where you're spending your money. I, I don't think a vehicle is a great investment, right? A brand new top-of-the-line vehicle because it's just going to keep going down in value. I'd rather see people my age um, pump some money into a Roth IRA, which is you know a long-term investment account, retirement account. You know, get going on the stocks. Um, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of education on those things. So, regardless of goals, I think anybody should be taking their chances over.
0: You make a really interesting point, too, about the whole vehicle situation, too, because you're right. The value of that is going to only decrease with every time you drive it, quite literally. And so people need to start prioritizing something that can make them money in the future. But we have been lacking a lot of knowledge when it comes to that. I mean, the knowledge is out there, like on the Internet. I mean, you could literally get, you know, certifications and all sorts of different things now. And it's, it's so much more accessible. However, they don't really tell you that in college. So do you think that there's anything that universities could do?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a great question. And there's, there's a huge gap. And I'll tell you, it's the common phrase of the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, right? Because the rich have discovered it. The rich have invested their time and their money to get better and understand how to create wealth. Uh, the poor get poorer because they have never learned it. They've never been taught it and they've never invested the time nor the money to learn it. So uh, the school system, I mean, it's crazy, K through 12, when did they teach you to invest in stock? They didn't, right? When did they teach you about real estate investments? When did they teach you how important your credit is, right? How to build credit? No one ever taught that, right? So could colleges do better? Absolutely, could K through 12 do better? Absolutely, but the biggest thing is it comes down to you. I mean, I can tell you, I have, an amazing family. Do they have a massive stock account? No. Do they have this massive real estate portfolio? Why am I chasing these things? Well, because I took some time to look, you know, for, as a kid, I took some time to invest and learn these things. And as a kid, I recall seeing individuals with things like I wanted, right? A big cottage or, you know, a big boat or a big house or something. And I would see, man, what does he do? And I always remember getting the same answer, no matter who it was or who I asked. It was, he owns this or she owns that. It's like, ah, they own, right? So it's like the, the business owner. I, I just could see that distinction, right? And that kind of piques some curiosity. Let's dig, let's dig deeper and find out how people got to that point. You know, when you go out, anytime I've been to Miami or been to like Los Angeles and i see these massive homes, the biggest thing I always ask, what did they do? You know, how did they get there, right? So taking the time to learn how to create wealth Obviously, it's probably one of the best investments you can make. And sure, I absolutely think schools could do a better job at it. I think probably the government's involved there. I think the government probably restricts at public schools what the curriculum they do enforce and what do they do and do not teach. I would not rely on the government for that. It comes up to you. you got to put in the time. Read the books. You know, for anybody in this young attorney, right, just coming out of college, going to college, want to get their finances together, there's a book called Set for Life by Scott Trench. And he's uh, he works with Bigger Pockets, which is a real estate company. It literally talks about it. Basically, it starts with, "Hey, I just graduated. I'm making my first, you know, big boy money." And here's these normal life expenses that we all have: the house, the car, the food, the going out, all those things. And he walks through how to properly set yourself up for success, I suppose. So I'd recommend that to anyone. That book was
0: useful me. Yeah. And on top of that, like it is very important to remain curious about everything too, because you're not going to get the answers that you're looking for if you don't ask in the first place too. Like you mentioned when you were asking, you know, what do they do and finding a lot more than you didn't know before. You're digging very deep in everything. And after hearing that, I'm curious to know what are some of your goals? What do you want in the future for you other than financial stability?
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you this, the, the whole thing, the whole money thing, right? The only reason that those things are all great is... And it gives you options you know it, it's if you want to down the road if I you know I have this great awesome family and I want to take the kids to an amazing trip if I don't have the money to do it I don't have the option to do that. God I would love to I'd love to give the kids an experience I'd love to do all these great things but if you can't flip the bill or pick up the tab you don't have that option right if your car breaks down um, and you don't have the money to pay for it you don't have options. But if you do have the wealth and you've made the right decisions to have the will to handle those situations. You have options. You can fix the car. You can, you know, fix you can fix more problems. I suppose. Um, so aside from that, what what other dreams and aspirations? Yeah, I'd love to own a real estate company, and a real estate investment company, apartments. Um, like I said, it's really not just like the money side of things. I really do like the business. I understand that people have to have a place to live. Not everyone's going to buy a home, and you know, apartments are have always been and will continue to be a great option. So. You know i would say um again one one day build myself up a large real estate company and you know things like like i mentioned the cottage right i didn't grow up with a cottage or a lake house but i definitely want that i want to share that you know with, with the family
0: um, so i suppose those are just a you few know, i totally hear you on the lake on the cottage as well you know growing up always vis- always visiting you know the close friends that live on a lake and me just <laughs> thinking that that is the this is the coolest thing ever i want one for myself in the future <laughs> You can't, you can't be on a speedboat on the lake and not smile.
1: I mean, every time I've been on a boat and it's a sunny day in Michigan, I'm like, why don't I have one of these? You know, it's a great time. I so know. It's, it's, the a,
0: great, it's the greatest vibe, greatest experience possible right there.
1: Yeah. One day, man.
0: One day. And so aside from like the, you know, business related goals and everything, what are some of the more fun ones that you have? You know, for example this cottage that you want in the future i'm assuming you want a pretty decent boat or water sports or anything so what are some of the the fun non-work related goals that you might have
1: yeah uh
0: it's hard for me to take you know the the mr business
1: work hat off but i suppose if you did uh, i'm not a big car guy i hear a lot of uh, individuals I'm around talk about you know toys as far as cars for me i'm really big into the outdoors so um you know getting the chance to go and do you know, say a hunting trip out in Nebraska or something, go um, go salmon fishing in Northern Michigan, you know, getting the chance to go do those types of things, more experience-based, not necessarily like a toy. Uh, I would be all of that. Going out and um, elk hunting in Denver. So, you know, it's just somewhere out in Colorado. I mean, I think that would be remarkable.
0: Yeah. After I graduated college, I definitely found myself out in the outdoors a lot more, whether that was golf, hiking, you yeah. know, fishing, all sorts of stuff like that. I've become like a lot more, like interested in doing a lot more outdoor related things too i think fitness too right so and that's not actually like you know purchasing anything but as far as like a goal
1: for yourself fitness and i know you're on the same track i mean i remember seeing you at the rec center as much as i was there this none of this stuff is obtainable if you don't take care of your body and it's crazy to see through college and even post-college how fast individuals just their bodies deteriorate it's just like you got to take care of yourself you got to feed your body with fuel and the proper nutrition and i think as you age it's like you use it or you lose it you know those who are not using their body properly they're the ones it's like they got the bag problems they're they're struggling to get up out of the chair and you know you also see I've had a gentleman this winter we're skiing and I we're just in the lodge and I was chatting with him he goes I ski here five days a week I'm like no shit he looked like he was in his 60s he goes guess how old I am I's like 65 Said I'm 86. Oh my god! Are <laughs> And he's like, I ski five days a week in the winter, and I golf five days a week in the summer. because uh, you know why? And I was like, why? Because because if I don't, I'll die. And I was like, you know, it makes sense. Like he's, it does, it. He's like, yeah. Not stopping, man. He is keeping his body healthy. He's keeping that heart going. Anyway, I just think the health is such an important thing that a lot of people do not.
0: Oh, 100%. Like if I end up, God forbid, if I were to get like back surgery or knee surgery or something and I couldn't be able to partake in golf or hiking or any of that stuff, then I would just be so miserable. Be when, tall, do you, when do you agree? i would be, tall, be Well, like, cool. Uh, so let's take a hypothetical scenario that I've been seeing a lot since the pandemic hit last year. And... <laughs> People weren't feeling inclined to move after graduating because of their jobs, switching to a fully remote (sighs) setting. And so those people decided that it was best to stay at home and live with their parents for an extended amount of time. Uh, But now that we're seeing a lot of restrictions being lifted, uh, relocating seems to be up in the air now. So my question for you is, if they want to be financially stable, how much should they have saved up before moving out and should they prioritize an apartment or buying a house or what do you think? Awesome question. And again, it's kind
1: of loaded in a sense that you gotta know more um, before you answer that question, right? So the biggest thing, how much we need to save? Well, what are our expenses? Do we have limited expenses? You know, do mom and dad maybe still pay for the the car and the car insurance or are we carrying that pain? So I think moving home, especially for the folks like who are working remote. It's a great move. I know several folks who did it, who saved literally thousands of dollars, like probably $15,000. I had a really good friend who was out in Royal Oak. I think his rent was like $1,200 a month. And he could stay out there all through COVID in this rental or just move home for the year. And he moved home for the whole year. He ended up saving, you know, you add $1,200 up times twelve, you know, it's like $14,000 or so. And he now is buying a home in Royal Oak this summer because of the savings that he just did. Um, but again, you got to understand what your expenses are. And, you know, I, I think home ownership is a, a tremendous um, move to make if you can financially, uh, you know, if you can financially support it. So the average down payment on a home, contrary to what you might hear, it's typically 5%. That's what a loan right now, if you want to get a, a conventional loan, typically 5% down. So look in the market that you're looking at. You know, again, this is, I don't want to call it a loaded question, but it depends on what market we're in. In Michigan, average home price is probably like $200,000. If you're in Denver, Colorado, average home price is probably $450,000. Um, Salt Lake City, $450,000. So um, it's a little tougher, but I would take that 5%, see what it is, 5% of uh, the $200,000. All right, I know I'm gonna need that for a down payment. I'm gonna need, you know, another couple thousand for expenses and move in, if I can easily take care of that and I still have several saved up, I mean, I would pull the trigger, move into a house, get some friends to live with you and help pay those bills. But you know, I mean, generally maybe 30,000, it's hard to say.
0: 30,000. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good number I'd say. And I'm curious in college or even after college, did you ever find yourself struggling with money or did you have methods of remaining financially stable?
1: Yeah. Tony, I'd say, I love that question because You know, in a way, maybe it means a lot because, um, like I said before, I have an amazing family. But as far as, you know, financial support, um, you know, I was paying a lot of my bills in college. And it was hard because I was very involved, right? I was the vice president of a fraternity. I was uh, on the executive board of a sales association. I was maintaining a 4.0 GPA with 15, 16 credits. And I was working 30 hours a week at a job, right? So to work enough hours just to pay the bills. I mean paying your rent it was always like 500 bucks a month in college paying for the food paying for you know involvement in all these organizations it was not easy like it was a freaking And i'll tell you senior year i got my real estate license and again we talk about commission and stuff um i took it a, a different route senior year that didn't pay all that great i learned a lot and i would not go back and change it but i can tell you senior year was really tough i mean i I remember probably having like two, three hundred bucks at a time just sitting there in the account. So it was tough. But I think that kind of and I wouldn't change it. I would not go back and change it. I don't wish that someone paid my bills because I learned so much. Those few years they say, "Titty, like you're down and out and you're low, but we are never coming back here, brother. Like, we're just going to continue to climb like those years were the motivation years of just soaking up podcasts and books and saying, you know, this is not going to be where I'm at, you know, years from now
0: hundred oh, percent. I definitely think that college with all of the resources, literally within walking distance from you, it gave you a great opportunity to multitask and take on so many different projects all at once. It really kind of builds you into the person that you are today after college. And I think it really just sets yourself. It sets yourself up for success if you actually, you know, play your cards right and everything too. It was a
1: blast. You got to use the resources. I mean, the folks that I can see get the most out of college they tap every little resource that's there. And I'd recommend that anybody do that.
0: And so you also have interesting methods of saving money specifically, you know, putting a chunk of your paycheck to the side and maybe allocating money toward investing. So I'd like to hear a bit of a, a breakdown of how you go about saving money that you get in your bank account with every paycheck. Yeah, I guess the adage I use is, The day that I get paid, I spend
1: it immediately, right? So my example is if I make $2,000 in my paycheck, immediately I'll take $1,000 that day and I send it off to a savings account. And that savings account will either be to continually grow and then I'll invest it, whether it's in stocks. I mean, it does nothing just sitting in a savings account. I'll break that up and I'll put it into a long-term Roth IRA retirement account in stocks. Or I'll have that building up for my next down payment on another real estate investment. Um, but back to your point, I spend it immediately, right? Before it escapes me, if I make that $2,000, like, oh, at the end of the month, I'll put a little bit of it away. You know, then we go out, we go to the bar, we went on Amazon, we went shopping. And at the end of the month, if you go to save, you're like, oh, damn, there's only a couple hundred dollars here. And next thing you know, you're just behind on your savings. You have to prioritize that first chunk. So right when I get paid, I, I take that good portion of it. I ship it off. I pay my bills on the other half, and then I live on the other half. So I still live on a very modest amount. I mean, I'm cutting my checks literally in half. Meaning my savings rate is at least, if not greater than, fifty percent. I'm always saving at least fifty percent of my salary.
0: And what are you currently investing in? You have so you mentioned the Roth IRA. I mean, are you also yeah. in yeah. you in stocks or you know? I'm assuming some goes to you know four hundred one k or whatever. Uh, yeah. Whatever yeah. you have, it. What do you got? I,
1: Tell everyone, like, go do your research. People think for stocks, everybody thinks like, oh, I just need to pick that one hot stock. And it's like, dude, no no, multimillionaire is there because he did this awesome stock thing, other than maybe some Dogecoin people because that literally did just happen. But for the vast majority of individuals who have proven the success, it's a long-term gain, but it's often very, very, very uh, substantial and beneficial to consistently be investing in I invest in index funds, to answer your question. An index fund is essentially, it's looked at similar to a stock, but it's essentially like having one stock that is a small sliver of hundreds of stocks, right? So it's like a little fund, it's a fund, that's hundreds of stocks in it. So I'm kind of leveraged. So if one stock does really bad that day and another stock does really good that day, they're all in that fund, it's all equally balanced. If I put all my money in, um, say, I don't know, Disney, if they tank, my whole fund, and my retirement and everything just went down. But if they're in a fund that's equally balanced, like a mutual fund, um, long term, there's some, some safety there. I would tell anyone to go make sure you get a Roth IRA and then look into different mutual
0: funds. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Brandon, this has been a fantastic conversation. And my final bonus question to you is a question that I ask all of my guests. But what do you think is the most useless college degree? Oh, tough. Uh, The one you didn't get.
1: (laughs) that Someone didn't go to college. Uh, I don't know. I think one I I hear a lot, but I don't know. People still pull it off. I hear history a lot. It's like, I don't know where people are going with history, but um, because I can't think of too many history or can't think of too many career paths that would apply to a history degree, but maybe they're out there now.
0: Yeah. Other than maybe being a teacher, but I don't know what else you could really do with something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's my answer.
0: Well, great. So thank you again so much for being on the show today, Brandon. Where can people go to learn more about you and your work?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I'm on LinkedIn. I use it quite uh, actively. Um a Brandon Brandon on there. And then, you know, more on the social side of things um, on
0: Instagram and Kid. All right. Sounds great. Thanks again so much for being on the show today, Brandon. Best of luck to you in the future. Yeah, Tony. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks. My guest today was Brandon Chittister, And if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and subscribe and share with your friends and family. If you haven't already, go follow us on Instagram at useless.degrees and go like our Facebook page, Useless Degrees Podcast. Thanks again so much for listening, and I look forward to entertaining you all on the next
1: episode.